0: we go. Ed, I muted you just for a little bit, okay? Because we can we can't we can't hear the everybody else. So let me let me make quick introductions over here. So uh Kevin, why don't you talk to to us a little bit about what you do and then I'll tell you who's around here.
1: Yeah 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 so um trying to think of the elevator pitch about what I do again. I think I've been locked up too long with uh, the COVID stuff. So um uh basically I work at a, an ad agency, been doing uh e-commerce stuff uh for about oof, 15 years now. Um sort of worked at uh different software as a service uh companies and then eventually transferred into more of like an agency consultancy environment. And so I'm working with uh companies to essentially figure out how to utilize uh online advertising channels, uh, sell online, and that goes all the way down through really more of like a specialization to Amazon because Amazon became kind of a big thing in the last 15 years or so. So it, uh, you know, it's kind of not one of those things they taught you in school, but but there you go. It's a profession now. So i um, really been doing that and I work remote. So uh, I work for uh, an agency um, out in Knoxville, Tennessee, believe it or not. There's uh, there's actually an um, interesting agency out there. And um, basically, uh, you know, I've been um, uh, working with... Uh, you know, clients, um, you know, since uh, remote since about 2008 when I used to work with for Seattle companies. So, um, you know, I, I sort of jest about the COVID thing, but realistically, I've been working from home for 12 years. So everyone's in my environment now, which is kind of kind of cool.
2: Kevin, what's the agency? I went to school in Knoxville.
1: Oh, nice. Uh, the Tombris group or Tombris. Yep. yep. I got a couple of right. friends that work for them. That's cool. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah, they um, they've grown quite a bit. Knoxville's a cool place, too. Um, Every time I visit there, sort of nestled in the mountains there. It's neat. Super cool. It's super cool. Very cool.
0: Yeah, and and I'll I'll share the little secret. So Kevin and I met through church, believe it or not. (laughs) So Kevin uh, took over. So I used to run. By the way, the the whole concept of uh, Apprentice Worldwide really came about from the many years that I was dealing with a lot of uh, people's issues with young adults. And then I realized that I didn't like, that I suffered enough. By the way, Kevin knows what I'm, what I'm talking about, that we suffered enough with the, uh, dealing with people's craziness. Uh, you know, I know it's a, it's a society, a, a, you know, a community service to help people that have issues. But some of the issues, I couldn't deal with it anymore. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take a step back. I'll let the professionals deal with those stuff. And I just focused on, with Apprentice now, I just focus on helping people, you know, develop a, a good plan in their career and succeed. And I'm more of a, I guess, a, a mentor type for business. Uh, but uh, I did that for like eight years and then Kevin took over and then, and then he, left, uh, he left after that. But uh, that's, how, that's how we all started in, yeah, like around 2006, seven. no? So a long, long time ago. And then, uh, then I met Jeff, I actually met Jeff in 2007 and he used to work on the trade team uh, at uh, Bank of America when I joined in. So Jeff, why don't you talk about you?
3: Talk about me? Well, after I left Hernan in sales, I went to Global Trade Exposure Monitoring, which I'm still there after I think 11 years. So we monitor uh, trade finance facilities, for products such as letters of credit and trade loans and that's the gist of it but there's more to it than that but that's the gist of it I don't have, uh, it's all internal contact so I'm not on the phone all the time don't deal with external customers at all so that's the big difference between uh, when I worked with Herna Yeah not as quiet. Stress- <laughs> It's not as stressful at all
4: <laughs> True. And, and
0: I have time to go out and stalk celebrities if <laughs> I need to <laughs> we'll share that again i guess jeff you, you want to talk a little bit about that since you, you mentioned it
3: well the pandemic kind of hurt me but i as a hobby i'd st- stock celebrity used to get a lot of autographs but mainly now i just get pictures pictures with it uh around town i should say hotels airports that's some connections here and there too or outside of venue Anywhere, I like like to research where someone's gonna be, and I'll be there.
0: Did you uh, Did you repost Cam Newton's uh, picture lately, or what? No, (laughs) I have a few of those too. (laughs) (laughs) Give me one second. Uh, Hold on, Jeff. So I'll go back. Then, then I met. I actually made met. Mike, is he's on the line, so I'll, I'll pass it on to, to Ed. Ed, why don't you tell us about what you do and how we met and something about Apprentice. He's the, the first one that I recruited to, to Apprentice as a mentor. He's been with me for the past six years, mentoring people all over the world. Ed.
5: Hey, can you hear me now? Can you hear me all right? Yeah, okay. Well, I'm uh, Ed Bermudez. Uh, I technically am in Charlotte. Uh, actually, Charlotte is home. I've been in Charlotte for about 22 years now. Um, went to college here. And uh, however, for the past several years, it seems like the bank, uh, Wells Fargo, keeps uh, sending me back down to Florida. So now, uh, for the past several years, I've been the global advisor for commercial banking, which it's mostly middle market banking and recently uh, business banking as well uh for the state of florida for wells fargo so uh hernan and i met working together in global banking the global bank for wells Fargo several years ago and you know we worked together for several years and you know started working together and um uh apprentice worldwide as well uh great initiative hernan you know has uh gotten off the ground and uh today well spending the uh and spending the quarantine uh, here at home with with uh, the family, Charlotte. But I do spend a lot of time traveling down to Florida. And like I said earlier, and also now uh, responsible for the East Coast of the uh, Latino diverse segment uh, for the bank as well, which is mostly a middle market initiative. So you know that's uh, that's what I've been doing for the past several years. And uh, you know here I am trying to trying to see how we can further you know this initiative.
0: yeah bro and we uh you know when we started we we had a uh, probably like we started in miami and then we had orlando puerto rico and and uh and now you know charlotte's probably like the the six or seven city now we're in 32 cities and uh going to 50 cities by the end of the year god willing the you know, our, wherever. Wherever the life takes us, but uh, it 's a big expansion initiative on purpose. by the way, we do it because we want to create work for us, so remember oh, this is this network is not for me. I already have the network by the way, uh, I already know you guys right so the the point is to help you know Jack and help Mike, who are starting in their careers, connect with people all over the world and make their dreams come true. you know as we pass on to retirement and not yet i still have another 10 15 years but uh the legacy that that i that i leave my friends are my friends you know so that's that's what i tell people the greatest asset in my life is to have friends like you and and be able to share my friendships with other people that you know see the beauty of uh of you guys you know so again don't i don't want to i don't want to uh you know i don't take it lightly when when I know Ed takes up his time, he has two small children and, and he dedicates his time to, to you know, help when everybody has questions about their career and what to do. And that's uh, that little bit of time that you give, uh, it, it changes the, the, the world, you know, changes the people's perspective. And what I learned in young adult ministry is that if you take care of the business side of the equation, if you're making money and you're stable with that, kind of like the other issues kind of fade away, you know? <laughs> yeah, you got to deal with it, but if you're making good money and and you're happy with that, the rest uh, kind of fixes itself. You know? Uh, so, at any rate. Thank you, bro. Uh,
5: we'll get back to I mean, Absolutely, I, man. For you, I got a question yep. for you, but I wanted to... Absolutely. to get, no, uh, I'll be around. I'm just going to excuse myself one second. I got to get on the call real quick, but I'll be right back.
0: All right, cool. And then uh, I don't know if Mike is still on the call. He'll probably wave. Probably seeing us. I know. I know his uh, phone is there. But if not, uh, Jack, why don't you introduce yourself to the to the guys here?
2: Yeah, I'm Jack Beard. I went to the University of Tennessee, um, and I graduated with a marketing and entrepreneurship degree. Um, I was president of my Alpha Kappa Psi chapter at UT. Um, And now I'm back home in Nashville and starting my own digital marketing um, slash media company here in the city. So um, I'm trying to get that off the ground while I find something that a job that can kind of teach me some skills that I don't have while I make a little bit of money. And then uh, hopefully once my business takes off, I'll be able to quit that nine to five and and work on my passion full time. So um, I love entertainment. I love being able to I love business, I love being able to bring that to people. So um, hopefully my next five years are great here in the city. So that's why I'm, what I'm doing right now.
0: Awesome, and, and,
2: and you know what? We, we all started
0: where you're at, right? So you can only take one step at a time, right? And see where, where it takes you. But you go,
5: you,
0: I, I know you, right? Uh, you're a focused guy. You've always been focused from what I understand in your career and that's why you're here. Uh, so it's just a matter of taking it one step at a time, bro. And if you fail, you, you bust it off and you keep going to the next thing, you know?
2: Yep, that's right, that's right.
0: Awesome. All
4: right, Mike, Mike is back. I'm back, I'm here, <laughs> never left. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I just graduated a couple months ago from uh, University of Miami, uh, Hernan's um, alma mater as well. And uh, from the business school and degrees in uh, finance and management. And then uh, just uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I, I registered for the CFP program. I did it through, uh, so it's affiliated with the University of Miami as well. Um, that's self-paced. And then I'm starting that next week. And I think that kind of goes along with my long-term goal of eventually becoming a financial planner. I think that's a big step in the direction of uh, of that I guess dream, if you will, becoming turning into reality, um, and that's kind of I guess where I'm at right now. Currently not employed, but um, definitely uh, I think slowly but surely making strides in the right direction. So, kind of where we're
5: at.
0: Awesome. So you guys, now Mike is trying to figure out. You know. Uh, the same thing, how to make money while well, he accomplishes his passion of wealth management. We actually have on Wednesday, on Thursday, we have the wealth management group. Uh, so, so the way that apprentice uh, works is we have, we have groups, we call them teams, right? Uh, if, if the way, the best way to describe it, what are teams are mentoring communities, uh, where people come in and out whenever they want. Right. And, uh, there's not a formal time commitment per se, but people like whenever, whenever Jack asks a question, he throws a flare, Hey, I need a little bit of help here. And then people come to the rescue and try to solve that issue. Uh, and then, and then, so we have that in, uh, in all the major cities, uh, at least in the East coast. And we're, we're trying to do more on on the West coast and the Midwest. Uh, and then uh, the other thing is we have industry groups. So everybody who's in in a vertical, we try to connect as well. So all the bankers, all the finance guys, all the marketing guys, all the entrepreneurs, all the digital marketing, all the you know. So we have those, you know, uh, industries, and and that way people can also share best practices in those segments. And those are those are kind of cool because obviously now that we have Zoom. And we'll have Zoom for a little bit. You know, it's it's great to see. You know, if we're gonna talk about digital marketing or e-commerce, like Kevin said, uh, we can talk to everybody who's doing that across the, around the world that basically can can share with you best practices on how to get solve an issue or get another job or whatever. You know? So we have that as well. And uh, and uh, that's it, man. This is there's no no nothing more than that uh besides expanding engaging people and and helping helping people which is really what what we can do right because we we don't all all we need is to use our, our 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 talents and and our experience to share what we know you know with no no judgment by the way if you if you screw up uh or or we're not gonna judge you we screwed up plenty Raise your hand, right? I've screwed up plenty. So we, we don't judge. Uh, we don't judge. You can come in and say whatever, and we'll, we'll, take, care of, we'll take care of the situation. Uh, talk to me about North Carolina. What's going on there? Who, who wants to share about what's going on? Any, you guys seeing any, uh, any opportunities? Is everybody locked up like in Miami? What's going on?
3: No, we lost our RNC convention to, to Florida.
0: yeah well true true but that's that's uh you know that that's uh, a an, another political move mm-hmm. so we won't we won't talk politics here because that <laughs> if not we we change it into another long three-hour chat but the reality is uh, we can make another vertical for that
2: we can make another vertical for that one <laughs>
0: <laughs> the reality is that uh the world like hamilton that's coming out on July 3rd in uh, Off Broadway, <laughs> <laughs> the real Broadway. Uh, the world is upside down, But, but yeah. So besides uh, besides uh, the president and uh, whatever's happening with the politics and and you know BLM and the issues that are happening there, how's that impacting you know the the the, the day-to-day activity? that you guys are doing? That, is that really disrupting everything? Or, or are you guys not involved with politics or anything related to BLM or, or what, what do you guys see?
2: I think it's actually given me a sense of like focus and a sense of uh, like, man, I can really start nailing down what I want to do kind of thing. And uh, again, not really any of these issues aren't important, but it's given like the world the time to just kind of calm down. And now I can really like zone in while the world is kind of on pause, I can kind of zone in and and start something and and I don't have to feel like I have to catch up to everything that's going on. And it's actually given a lot of uh, uh, attention to the stuff that I'm doing too. So uh, that's super exciting because a lot of people's attention is diverted elsewhere, at least right now.
6: Yeah, I agree. I think it's made us kind of pause and reevaluate what is important and the areas that uh, have meaning in our lives. Um, I, I think from a professional's perspective, you know, working with different companies, it's uh, also caused them to evaluate who they're doing business with, why they're doing business with certain people, and uh, just really kind of make sure that they're doing what matters, right? Making a contribution, both uh, social and economic. And yeah, it's a, I think it has changed the fabric of society to some level. By the way, sorry I had to step off. I was uh, had a call that came in that I had to take.
5: So the uh,
0: a- Anna says she's still working with some compliance stuff. Uh, so she says hi, Mike.
6: Oh, the yeah. Uh, she and I were able to get together uh, before the crazy happened and uh, got connected. So. Cool so person. Mike
0: you're the only one that hasn't introduced uh, yourself so introduce yourself and say what you do and and talk to talk to the, the guys here about the, your project with your wife that's kind of interesting okay
6: yeah so um uh, i'm at bank of america specifically uh trade finance i uh i'm client facing and therefore i have to jump when my uh, red phone rings it's literally red and my, my bank cell phone And uh, that's why I was uh, missing for part of this call. So I apologize for that. But that was a chemical company that uh, we're we're working with um, that I need to respond to. But I work with companies that have revenues of under $2 billion and are in the Midwest, Southwest, or Mid-Atlantic and um, help them find and structure transactions to do with uh, importing and exporting, specifically letters of credit and other types of uh, instruments that, that they might be using. Um, really interesting days in, in terms of what people are looking for and asking for. Um, lots of uh, companies that are wanting to make sure they get paid. No, no surprise there, but maybe a few more than, than there used to be in terms of wanting to make sure that they're um, going to get paid for what they're shipping overseas. Um, I've been at the bank for 11 years, uh, known Jeff Messler for a good part of that. And Hernan and I worked together um, for a few years as well before he left Bank of America. But, um, before that I was a grad student at Purdue. And before that I did, uh, I worked for another bank doing uh foreign institution, uh, foreign FI sales. So kind of a sales guy and, uh, have a lot of, uh, international kind of experience when it comes to helping make international trade happen. That's my, uh, you know, I also enjoy long walks on the beach and everything else, right. <laughs> my, my personal ad, but, um, anyway, uh, the uh i don't know if that's the type of thing that other people shared or not but happy to be here and happy to be part of the group
0: yeah yeah so actually mike uh mike and his wife are are closing the gap between uh between cultures oh that's right you asked
6: me to speak about that and i totally forgot thank you for the the prompt there Hernan. um So uh, uh, there's a a family passion project that we have. Uh, I'm fluent in Spanish and um, really enjoy teaching our kids Spanish. I have five kids and uh, oldest is 15. And my wife and I have been uh, teaching them Spanish. Now, my wife doesn't speak Spanish, but she's learning and she's been learning for a couple of years and is actually pretty good. But um, we uh, find families that are wanting to learn Spanish and match them up with families that Uh, are wanting to learn English, and we coordinate uh, what we call language exchanges, and we provide materials and curriculum and a guide, as well as a community of learners um, and badges, all types of uh, positive, you know, uh, prizes, uh, other types of things to encourage people to actually meet and and learn another language, and it's our way of uh, building bridges and and tearing down the walls that uh, uh, some people are putting up to divide us, so uh, right now, we have 120 families that are meeting on a weekly basis to practice their language and um, looking to add more uh, next month, actually. So
0: a uh, really exciting time. So I know, I know Ed's kids speak Spanish, but Jeff, you know, you can always hire, uh, hire Mike. Huh? <laughs> and Kevin, your kids
7: I speak Spanish? I'm out
0: no? of practice, though.
6: Well, there are days my kids don't listen to me in English or Spanish, so it's it's not a
0: foolproof method. <laughs> <laughs> now, your your kids speak Spanish, Kevin?
1: Only a little bit, muy poquito. Um, like they have a Spanish class, so they you know they learn a little bit. Well, when they did have actual class, right? So um, uh, they they were picking up a little bit, but not a huge amount. I, I'd love to. I'd love to have them learn more, but I am not the guy to do that. Uh, So, you know, uh, hopefully hopefully they'll they'll pick up a little bit more as they go.
0: Now, your your oldest kid, 13, 14? Oh, for me? Your daughter?
1: Oh, man. Well, she acts like a teenager, but she's 10 now. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Oh inside yeah 14 but you know birth certificate 10 um and wow. yeah 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 my, my boys are eight so you know i don't have five that's impressive juggling man but <laughs> you know the, the the two keeps me busy uh for sure and um yeah actually i'm kind of looking over my shoulder here because they should be coming in from camp uh at some point here in the near future but um but yeah no they're they're definitely growing up it's funny they they're they're out of we're moving out of the kid phase and they're seeing like, you know, little touches of like a young adult personality starting to pop up. So, you know, interesting time. Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah, well, well mine both give me a freaking attitude every day. But, uh, you know, I love them to death. My, I already told you guys that I'm going to be hanging out with you hopefully more often now that Valerie's going to go there to wake for us. Actually, Ed convinced me to take to have her go to wake for so ed ed has like 20 degrees by the way he he's a he's a lawyer he's a three business degrees what else oh you're on mute hold on uh yeah i mean
5: i i have a law degree from venezuela which is um you know what i was right before i came to charlotte and I actually came to Charlotte to go back to school. I went to UNC Charlotte, so I'm a 49er, and I got a couple of degrees in finance a minor in economics, and then I decided that, you know, I wanted, I wanted to keep on going. So I got, a, I got the one degree, the one uh, advanced degree that I think uh, has been the most useful, and it will probably be very useful going forward, is uh, An advanced degree in organizational change management. And as you guys probably know, and you notice, you know, with everything that's going on, change is the only certainty that we have in the future. And, you know, for us in banking, I think that the way how the banking industry has changed in the past several years and what the expectations are based on technology and all the alternative ways to do business. I think change will be with us for a very long time, at least for me. I think uh, that I will have to reinvent myself several times over before I get to retirement. Um, I also went to Wake Forest in, uh, and I got my MBA from Wake Forest. So, um, Ernie's daughter and I are going to be, i going to have that in common. We both went to Wake Forest. Um, you know, ernan asked the question earlier, and uh, you know, I wanted, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to opine, um, and you guys said, you know, several really good things. But you know, one one thing that this um, this pandemic, if you will, have taught us all is uh, that we got to be ready, and, and I don't think uh, many people was, you know, to do business differently. Uh, the whole concept of working remotely. I know for those back from America. Uh, That was something that that you guys implemented a few years ago, and there were some variances to the content up to this point, and sort of came back, you know, to a certain extent to the most traditional approach. But at least for us at Wells, uh, we have determined that uh, it was uh, a successful strategy. I mean, there was a good productivity. Of course, Wells is going through a lot of stuff nowadays, and there will be some changes going forward. but. You know, at least we demonstrated that, you know, that concept is something that we can adapt to. And with that being said, you know, I wanted to piggyback on Hernan's questions uh, earlier. My apologies. I'm actually driving, and it's uh, raining cats and dogs here in Charlotte. Um, You know, how things are different? Well, I mean, I think we're going to be seeing really everything that has changed or will be changing as we get out of, you know, this pandemic, and sort of on the other side of the economic recovery. Uh, for us internally, we're already seeing a lot of uh, a lot of variances in what real estate is going to look like, commercial properties, you know. Uh, basically, our commercial real estate teams are at uh, a standstill, and there is not a whole lot of expectation. They're going to be doing a whole lot of businesses in the near future. Uh, we are already talking about how we are going to be getting rid of some of the space that we have. And how we're going to become more efficient going forward. So that's one small thing, sort of the low-hanging fruit. Uh, but I think everybody's going to see different ways on how the business is going to change. Uh, Michael was mentioning, you know, that a lot of people want. Uh, there's been a lot of open accounts in the past several years. Uh, I have seen actually how trade and trade-weighted frauds are back in the front end now because nobody really has a lot of confidence on how people are performing. So they want to make sure that they get back to the basics and get more of that um, sense of confidence, if you will, on how to engage that process. So that's another thing, another low-hanging fruit that we're seeing now. But I think it will be a lot of changes and we got to be ready to make those changes. Oh, I caught. Got On the one off. hand, continue to be productive, but also we gotta see when uh, with the brands worldwide and the but that's that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, I, I, I'm driving here in the rain, so it's a lot of uh, a lot of bad weather. So I don't know if my connection is, is actually doing well.
0: Hey. Uh, so, the cost of living, our, our, our real estate prices uh, going up. What do you see uh, North Carolina? Is it a good place to invest in the future or still expensive as hell? I know, Kevin, you've been checking out home from what I see, no?
2: I don't
5: think, uh, I mean, I'm, I think North Carolina is still uh, at a very good uh, price point. I mean, there are no doubts that people are moving in more than ever. Actually, people from Florida is coming in at a, at a very rapid pace. And people from New York, you can see involved both culture, you know, sort of uh, mixing up with the population. But I think the prices are still reasonable. The taxes are still reasonable. Um, and it will be, I think, will be more of that going forward. If you go to western North Carolina, you actually see a lot of those uh, secondary housings. You know, a lot of people coming from other states moving in you know, the ash loop, county area. So I think it's still a good place to be. I mean, Charlotte has become very diverse, not only, you know, people wise, but also, you know, the economic activity. Uh, we continue to be the second financial district in the country after New York, uh, over San Francisco, actually today. But you're still also a lot of manufacturing, you see a lot of warehousing, you see a lot of distribution, a lot of technology, um, a lot of uh, private money investments uh green initiatives so i think it's a very balanced place to be uh we'll see what that does to the economy and to the way how you know the price points really behave going forward because it will certainly affect that in the future but to this point i think it's really still a good place to invest if you can
0: what do you guys think i know again again i know kevin You. Were you are you looking at homes or what's? I see, I see, I saw a few uh, posts.
1: Well, it, uh, just to put it in a microcosm, uh, was out home shopping today because I saw a listing that came up last night, and so just to give you an idea of what the real estate market here is in Raleigh um, by this afternoon. So less than twenty four hours later, there were multiple full price offers for that price uh, for that home and one all cash offer. So you know, not even with financing. Um, so you know, the, the real estate market here is moving really fast. Um, there's, you know, there was a slowdown for the, the COVID you know, crisis or epidemic, but then ever since it's heated up, and of course, you know, super low interest rates, you know, the government's propping up, you know, half the economy at this point, right? I forget uh, I forget what uh, percentage of GDP is attributed to the federal government right now. It's something like 50%, I think, or whatever that is. But I mean, it's just the interest rates have everybody, you know, push in here. So it it continues, at least locally, Continues to be a great market. Um, See a lot of people coming in. And just, you know, I think what's interesting going back to the BLM movement is that I saw one like 30 year Republican strategist say he's never seen as much change as he has in the last 30 days. And this was like a month old comment. So, you know, think last 60 days. But there's never been such a seismic shift uh, across the country in terms of perceptions, in terms of attitudes. And I've seen that at you know, not only the state level, where they've uh, pulled down Confederate monuments here uh, around the uh, the state capitol. So you're kind of getting out of that kind of Old South, I think, mentality um, or just sort of personality that some people associate with North Carolina. And, You know, not to get political, but if we were to sort of sidebar slightly, uh, most Confederate monuments went up in response to Jim Crow laws and civil rights. So it's really not so much about honoring your heritage as much as it is about really kind of cultural uh, statement about, you know, sort of separating classes and races and whatnot. So if anyone wants to have that side debate, please feel free. I'm I'm happy to, to talk or discuss. But I think it's a positive development uh, across the state, across the country. And then even down to just, you know, what I'm seeing at the company, you know, uh, really kind of the the most micro level, you know, what what we're seeing inside the business is that we're seeing different hiring practices. So HR is evaluating uh, how we're looking at other people from education levels to backgrounds. Um, making sure that we're more balanced uh, ethnically across uh, the company. Um, we're also seeing a lot of sensitivity from brands and clients in terms of what message they're putting out. And you see this in like, you know, Ben and Jerry versus CrossFit, right? Where CrossFit was not at all the receptor to the BLM movement. And their owner basically was, well, he had to quit. I won't say he was kicked out of the company, but all the franchises started breaking off from CrossFit. They had a whole bunch of issues he's having to sell his portion or share of the company now and compare that to Ben and Jerry's. That's got a lot of positive press because they're protesting and they got arrested as part of the protest. So you have that type of massive shift and it's not saying that, you know, it's hundred percent of the country. I mean, obviously there's still divergent views where the most polarized country uh, or the most polarized as a country we've been uh, in at least the last 80 years. So we have these sort of two divergent views, but all that's getting shaken up now. So, you know, again, going back to sort of the micro level, I mean, we're seeing it both from a marketing standpoint where people are changing and one of the internal debates is pulling social media uh, spend and Facebook spend where companies are looking at and analyzing whether or not they should spend on uh, Facebook, for example, because of all the controversy. So Coke's pulled their budget, Unilever's pulled their budget. Um, I think uh, Pepsi, I believe, is also gonna uh, stop advertising on Facebook. So you have this kind of like cascade that's happening. And kind of the one, you know, caveat to that is I think it might be as much about performance as it is about perception. I mean, Coke was having issues. CPG doesn't tend to get as much benefit from social so eh, You know, I, I don't know how much it is protest versus how much it is also a little bit of financials, but regardless, you have this huge shakeout. Um, not only happening at state level, you know, business level, personal level, company level, that, you know, to me, it's just, it's a different situation than what it was six months ago. And you know, it's almost like a 9-11 style event where 9-11 happens and it's a different culture, different society after. And it's that type of shakeout. And whether that's, you know, in my opinion, spurred by the pandemic, you have a whole bunch of people sitting at home online, not going out. So you have this sort of like, uh, sort of boiling effect where, you know, everything's sort of percolating and sort of spilling over. Um, you know, I think all that comes together. So if, you know, if you're a history teacher trying to show someone or talk some about what happened in 2020, I mean, forget about it. You're gonna spend, you know, the entire semester talking about everything that culminated into this year and kind of erupted over. But, you know, I would say there's absolutely been a seismic shift from BLM. And again, even North Carolina is gonna be a different place because me and my kids, we won't see the same statues anymore. And when we go down to the state capitol, we walk around downtown because they've been pulled down. And it's just, you know, that's that's a significant change. I went on the tangent, guys, I'm sorry, but I had to connect the dots and get my comments in, so. No, no, but I,
0: I like it because, you know, we live in a bubble here in Miami. It's a Latin bubble, as you know. So we don't, and and, and because it's such a Latin bubble, and, and Ed is perfect, uh, I guess he lived here uh, is Latin, and then go, goes over there. You 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 do see, I mean, you you do see that that there's a that there's a, 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 I, I guess that the situation was tense, but now I think the next generation. So so my daughters, my daughters' generation. Obviously, us the 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 generate the the. What's the what's our what's our generation? <laughs>
5: I mean,
0: what, if, what yeah. oh, gener- Gen, Gen X, right? We're Gen Xers. So Gen Xers down, I guess, uh, are, are more, you know, breaking, breaking the paradigms. You know? uh, there's a shift. Um, and and we, uh, we, we were the ones that, that started, I guess, the diversity and inclusion movement in every major company. And now it's kind of like we have to, no? Before it was a, an optional discussion, kind of like a sidebar discussion. And now I see it. It's the number one discussion that people are having around hiring practices, you know, uh, to make sure that they, that they're, uh, I guess, you know, not not affirmative action, right, to that that level, but to the level that they look at every single candidate and make sure they get the most qualified person, not the buddy of the buddy of the buddy, you know? And that's kind of like like that's what I see in, in my industry. So I, I haven't shared, and I wanted to share, I don't know if you knew, but what I do is, uh, my largest client is Wells Fargo. So Wells Fargo, uh, basically, we help Wells Fargo mitigate their global risk around the world. And my company is, uh, is uh, focused primarily on, on foreign markets and helping companies. We shifted to supply chain in the past uh, year uh, so we're doing a lot more supply chain uh, coverage. And, and then what I do is I call on banks and, and non, non-bank financial institutions actually to refer them transactions that are, that are covered by insurance uh, that some of our, our clients are asking for support and, and, and vice versa. You know, so I get clients that are uh, uh, banks that want us to cover their position and some banks that want to purchase positions so that's what i've been doing for 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 the past years it's, it's it's an interesting uh shift because i i do both risk mitigation on insurance and then also i guess loan brokering if you were to to shorten it but uh, i spent a lot of time in new york i used to spend a lot of time in new york uh, and now we're expanding in asia and then and then we're now now i have a mandate to to tackle another 500 names and alternative finance uh, to, to kind of diversify our, our pool of investors. So it's a crazy world. I, I try to explain to people what I do. My wife has been married to me 23 years, doesn't know what I do, right? They think that all I do is sing and hang out and drink and smoke, which they're probably right. <laughs> but the, the reality is I do make a living uh, in the financial markets and trying to uh to help uh clients mitigate global risk. A lot, a lot, a lot now in the US. Actually our, our largest market out of our, we manage around 15, 20 billion in policies. Uh approximately probably like 30% are US risks. Which is uh people people when they think about, you know, supply chain, they always think that it's uh that it's foreign. But you know, Mike, most of the stuff is U.S. seller, U.S. buyer too. No, so yeah. so managing that that flow. Uh, what about the job market? So, Kevin, you you've changed, right? You you change a few companies, but you've always been in that that segment. Is is that is that segment still uh, big in the in the in in, in the Southeast?
1: So. Uh, uh, depends on the way you think about it so i mean if you're thinking about like you know online advertising online marketing digital marketing uh things of this nature then that's all expanding um marketing and advertising more and more is moving of course online uh, there's a steep decline in uh, tv you know newspaper radio so in that sense yeah it's growing um what's interesting about me though is I, I serve a small niche in terms of working specifically on Amazon, and so that is kind of a unique area. It's it's not something that's terribly widespread, so um, that's why I get to work remote, right? Because it's hard to find people like me who sort of have this you know skill set, which is you know good and bad. It's good in the sense that you you have something unique, but it's bad in the sense that you don't go to an average job market and say, hey, you know, um, this is what I do, and everyone sort of you know latches on. Um, so. You know, in the sense of at least, you know, digital marketing and ad agencies. Yeah, it's, it's growing, but there's also a lot of fragmentation in the industry. It's, you know, it's not the old sort of Don Draper Mad Men style thing where you have these, you know, core agencies. They're Sort of um, splitting apart or, you know, going through their own mergers. There's sort of a lot of shake out in the industry. So in that sense you know, there's a lot of change. And within Raleigh, I, you know, Charlotte's kind of interesting because Charlotte's very finance uh, leaning and a lot of good amount of, I think, tech and healthcare out there too. Raleigh tends to be, you know, very healthcare heavy and a little bit of tech. Um, but then after that, it kind of just splits out. So it's, you've know, got kind of a fractured city in that sense. And, and strangely enough, I've lived in Raleigh for, you know, 12, 13 years, and I've never worked here. You know, it's it's odd. You know, I've always been Seattle company or Atlanta company or um, you know now Tennessee company. So that's you know maybe that's indicative of the new new environment where you know working in the office might not mean working in the office, and that's kind of the unique nature I think of where the economy is going job wise. But I don't know. I don't know if that gives you the answer you're looking for. But that's the sort of the, yeah. I
0: well, I'm fascinated that. You know, I I always thought that most of the companies that were doing what you're doing are in California,
1: Washington, you know, that's why I always found it. First one was in Miami. There was a small startup there, right? And that's that's how it all sort of spun up in the first place. But, um, you know, I I don't know how much, I mean, Miami has its own kind of, you know, ecosystem that's building up too. I mean, there's more and more, you know, startups and venture capital out there. Um, We're seeing a little bit more of it here in the Raleigh area. Uh, you know, in terms of you know, different companies coming in and investing in local uh, startups. So I, I think that's spread out. That's, that's one of the bigger changes I've seen just personally. You know, it's not just the Valley. It's not just New York. You know, you can have a, a startup in more of a sort of a mid-tier city. Um, not that I own one, so I could talk in great detail about it, but you know, that's, that's something I've seen more and more of is people breaking out and, you know, working for a company that maybe has 10, 12 people, you know, and they have, you know, a seed round of like 500,000 or a million or something. Or, you know, even, um, you know, I would say, you know, companies like there's one company here, Pendo, uh, that's a billion dollar company now. And so they serve kind of a unique niche where they, you um, basically give like tracking information in terms of app usage and, you know, who's going where in your app and how they're doing It's basically for product managers, which sounds kind of niche, but then, you know, it grew from like three or four guys, ex Google guys who are working downtown at like a remote work center here. And I think they have up to 250 million in funding now, and they're officially recognized as a billion dollar company. And, you know, that's all spun up in the last five or six years. I mean, that's, you know, to me indicative of really where you can go or kind of what can happen you know, within your your environment. And again, you know, not a tech hub, but, you know, that's a very tech-heavy company. So go figure. Interesting. Uh,
0: I see Alex on the line. So Alex is actually a graduate from uh, UM as well. He and I met. He's also an ACSI brother. I think Mike and Alex, you guys know each other well.
4: Yes. But. class, uh, Pledge Class Brothers. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? I didn't know. No. Spring
0: 2017. So, uh, so I'm so glad that uh, Alex joined because we needed a female touch in this uh, all-male uh, ensemble. <laughs> so thank and you. Sorry, thank you for sorry, bringing
8: me. Mm-hmm. And pleasure <laughs> to meet you all. I just came back from a bike ride. So I'm a little, you know, I apologize. But good no to worries. meet you,
0: so if you want Alex why don't you introduce yourself and then we'll we'll go around uh, real quick again and just fyi okay So you graduated she she graduated she studied finance she's trying to figure out what to do in life
8: No no so I haven't graduated yet and I'm doing nothing with finance I work in finance and financial services oh, right. exactly now um, that's right, that's right. I I'm I'm I am and would like to be in technology. Um, so something related to cybersecurity is the dream. Um I graduate in December because I'm doing two majors and two minors, marketing and business tech. Um, based in Miami, originally from Bulgaria, and and so on.
0: By the way, I just have to take a pause and say that none of you read the memo when I said that this is a None of you are drinking nor smoking. So, I have you now because you're all newbies in this. But when I say virtual happy hour, you have to bring your drinks. Come on. Mike, you should know this. I can go get my water. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, uh, real quick again. So, why don't you guys introduce yourself to, to Alex so she knows. So, the rest of the guys, except Mike, are all in North Carolina. So Jeff, okay, yes, you've been quiet. Charlotte, North
3: Carolina. And I uh, worked with Hernan in trade sales, international trade sales. And then I moved on to global trade exposure monitoring, which is where I am now. It's been like 12 years, something like that there. And uh, we monitor uh, trade finance facilities for products such as letters of credit and trade loans. And all my... Dealings were with internal customers, no, no external customers like I did in sales. And I, and I know <laughs> Mike can introduce himself to you. <laughs> yes or not?
0: No, I was going to say, you, you also do corporate, no? both corporate and FI. Just FI.
3: Just, Just FI. FI. Oh, uh-huh.
0: oh okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. So who does the same thing for you? You have a teammate that does all the supply chain lines?
3: uh i think that i don't think there's no in there's no interme- intermediary like gtown right like, go like my team for corporate they just go directly to uh, uh credit officers for corporate
0: right because your lines are 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 pegged lines that can be used by anybody versus the uh corporate which is just you know for that deal right. and that's that jurisdiction. Interesting. Okay, cool. Mike.
6: Yeah. So, um, Mike Fabbitt, been with bank of America for 11 years. I work with Jeff Messler. In fact, I think we ex- exchanged about two or three, uh, communications on separate instances in incidents today. Um, I'm client facing talking to customers about international trade and making sure they're able to, uh, do their importing and exporting without, uh, without issues. So, um, Love it, it's great.
8: Are your customers companies or individuals? Companies. Cool.
6: So I manage companies that have sales of up to $2 billion um, in about 30 states.
8: All U.S. based? Yeah, Bank of America, that would make sense.
6: Right, well, yeah, not all of them because there's a lot that are based outside that have U.S. offices but usually our customers are U.S. Co- companies that are either importing or exporting.
0: Cool. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that, Alex, but, but uh, Bank of America has offices all over, all over the world, right? So we, I used to be the one for, that covered all the Latin America offices uh, from Miami. So I was the product support, the trade product support for, for our team in Brazil, our team in Mexico, our team in Colombia, Chile, where we have offices.
6: Yeah, we're in thirty-seven countries.
0: Yeah. So Bank of America, uh, people, people, you know, always think that because it's, um, it's uh, because of the name that it's domestic only. The uh, and then Kevin.
1: So following the trend, uh, client facing. Uh, but at an ad agency. So non-financial related. And um, mainly I I work with um, brands looking to sell their products online, but it also can be digital marketing efforts. Um, For mainly uh, Amazon is kind of my my focus, but it can extend and integrate uh, to other types of campaigns. So you know, specific company all the way from healthcare providers to hospitals to online retailers are looking to reach their customers or achieve some specific end, then I might be a part of that process. So, you know, even though mainly, again, it's for e-commerce and retail, I'm working with like uh, national highway traffic safety administration right now to advertise um, uh, for people to not have kids in cars during the hot summer months. So it can really kind of vary across uh, different verticals. Um, but yeah, essentially I work remote here in North Carolina for a Tennessee based company. So I, I'm part of the North Carolina team. Go figure. So
0: I, I wanted to, there's two things that I wanted, since I have Mike and uh, and Alex on the line. So two things that I wanted to ask you guys, maybe, maybe share, and we'll, we'll have two, two rounds. So the, the first one is for the mentors. Uh, you know, the guys have been working for a while. What advice would you give these guys about, you know, when you started, so I know it's uh, been a, a little while, but when you started, you know, are you doing what you, what you wanted to do from the very beginning or how, how did you end up in this role? And, uh, you know, any, any, any tips of survival or, or uh, you know, resilience that you can share with the, with the guys here?
6: I'm happy to go first. I don't know that I had um, an idea of a real strong idea of what I wanted to do when I grew up. Um, I grew up in a small town in Idaho and there were basically the farmers and the bankers and the, and the bankers were or rather the farmers were always complaining about the bankers and the bankers had the money and so I figured if I had to choose between being a farmer or a banker I'd choose to be a banker because they had the money and uh, I'm not sure that I really ever knew what that looked like until uh, and it's a, an evolving kind of target. I think if I were to give you, so so in that sense, yes, I I think I've achieved what I set out to get, but I I think if I were to give any advice or or share anything, it would just be uh, be flexible, know what you want, um, and go after it, right? Uh, Don't be afraid to change your idea of what you think you want, or um, you you might be selling yourself short.
0: How about the rest? Now, Jeff, you wanted to be a global portfolio manager when you when you graduated college, or
3: my my major was uh, sports management <laughs> and I did an internship with a sports agent and uh, then it was hard to find a job, so I went to a local bank's temp agency and they sent me to their international division and i've been in uh, different aspects of that. Uh, ever since export letters of credit and uh and now just monitoring trade finance facilities
0: so what's your what was your your uh your thought process in that to change i mean did you did you ever have you ever thought of going back to sports management or is that something that you just uh have fun with well i know you're a, you're a baseball fan That, that I yeah
3: know. i had i had fun with it i don't think it would uh not easy to make a living unless you're uh maybe with a sports agent if you had a big client list you could probably do that but uh there's not really a whole lot out there it didn't pay well but i had a lot of fun i worked for a minor league baseball team too for five years but um i kind of settled down into banking
0: Uh, i I know you weren't in uh in e-commerce right when you started right
3: No, I mean, I was an, I was an export letter of credit operations when I started for, for many years, So then just kind of, you learned to love it. And then I I just wanted to do different aspects of it. So I moved, uh, moved on to trade sales after that. And then, uh, then our boss Miguel left and I kind of wanted to leave after that or try something different.
0: Well, that's some good advice. I, I, I take it as well because what what ends up happening, what happened in my career is I, I rolled with the punches uh, in some cases. So I, I'm i a sales guy for those that know me. Uh, and I love marketing. It's my favorite thing in life. But I ended up in banking because my family had financial difficulties as I was growing up. And I said, you know what? If I'm going to, if I'm going to, I don't want to end up like my parents fighting over money. So I said, you know what? I'm going to become an expert in handling money. Uh, And then I realized that that wasn't something that I was so passionate about. Uh, I went and worked in Merrill Lynch when I, when I was in college. And I realized I didn't want to deal with people's uh, money. Um, And then I, I loved the uh, international and logistics and all that. And I was already in the finance field. So I wanted to be close to the finance field, but more dealing towards learning about different cultures and international and global. So I, I, I got, you know, some somehow I, I ended up in the major bank. So I, I got uh, recruited to, at that time it was uh, Nations Bank and I got recruited to First Union. And I went through the financial management process of interviews and I got offers on all these banks but they didn't they didn't have a subsidiary for international in Orlando where my where my girlfriend lived and I said you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna go after my girlfriend forget about my what I wanted to do uh, because I was in love at the time and then when I broke it off I said I'm gonna go back to uh, to Miami and then my cousin used to work at a bank uh, Working in an international, and uh, and he told me about a job, and I and I took it. And from there, I I learned that I didn't want to be in credit, although I had to learn it. So everything that I didn't want to do, I ended up uh, learning, uh, and it helped me in the future. Right. So now I'm a, I'm a corporate and financial institution consultant. So the skills that I learned helped me in my future of what I do now. But I didn't like it. Uh, and I didn't want to do it.
2: So, so it goes to show you how,
0: how, you know, you come up with a, with one idea and end up completely with something totally different. And I've been successful at it. You know, I've, I, again, like I said before, I rolled with the punches and I ended up uh, uh, taking full advantage of, of my skill set in a segment that was more serious. So because, you know, traditional bankers are, I guess are less loud and, less salesy and less they're more you know in a in a square uh, at that time and i was more very creative so that allowed me to to uh uh, find opportunities where they wanted to expand so i've been in business development and sales and it's uh it's worked out somehow it's worked out so so hernan your your
1: advice is don't follow your heart do the things you don't want to do that's the moral to your story right if i'm following the moral to my story is you know, you have,
0: you build great skill sets uh, that you probably don't know just by doing the work. But you, if you're a talented person, you'll make it anywhere, right? So my advice is, you know, uh, uh, my advice to, to, to people is know what your talents are and just wherever you're at, use them to the best of your abilities and, and, and something will happen.
1: So like I, I, ended up,
0: I ended up having some technical skills and I, and I used those to, 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 to my advantage. By the way, talking about using talents to your advantage. So my best friend in the whole wide world, he joined the line. His name is Ignacio Rivera. He was my fraternity PCB, like you guys, Alex and Mike. Uh, so mine, when I was at UM in the 90s, was Iggy Ignacio, and Ignacio started in something, ended up in something totally different. So he started in marketing, and then ended up in financial management, and and now he worked at Ryder, the largest company in Florida, uh, Fortune five hundred. And he, uh, and are you there, uh, Iggy?
7: I'm here. I'm here. Oh
0: so, yeah, introduce yourself and maybe share some some words of wisdom. Sure. Uh,
7: so. <clears throat> I, I definitely uh, understand a lot of what uh, Hernan is saying. Um, you know, wh- one of the areas that, you know, when, when I was in school, you know, technology wasn't as prevalent as it is now. Um, I've, I've gravitated towards technology and, and now I'm, I'm on the, uh, I head up the, the data governance practice here at Ryder, And uh, it's something that i um, you know, I, I'm definitely passionate about, and and I've spent, you know, some time kind of growing into into that side of it, and and kind of changing my career. But um, but you know, sometimes it, it takes sometimes it takes a U-turn to bring you to, to a place you think you do, you're not good at. Um, for me, it was uh, in 2010, I you know I spent most of my career kind of building a uh a a trajectory to be in finance, but I really didn't have a passion for it. And really what I found um, when, I, when I stopped that trajectory, was really the, what I really enjoyed is, is automating processes and, and working with technology to improve um, both sales and financial processes. So I, I made a big change at that point. Um, I took a little bit of a step back for about three years but i definitely um I feel much more comfortable in and where i'm going and and definitely are passionate about what I do every single day and um and hernan and I talk about it all the time you know I, I i don't think I would have been as as happy if I hadn't made that change but um but it's definitely a welcome change and and something I truly enjoy
0: yeah it's i don't know and and Mike, you're going to also add, but (sighs) what I realized is in my career that if it wasn't for the things that I didn't, I realizing the things I didn't like was really what defined what I, what I am. So realizing that I, number one, that I, that I hate backstabbers, right? I hate dealing with assholes, right? I I hate office politics. And then I changed my mentality and and switch to thinking that office politics is more like a game of networking internally. So instead of looking at it negatively, I shifted my mindset and went the opposite direction. And that's what propelled my career. When I realized that if I wanted to move in in a large corporation, I wasn't an entrepreneur, right? Now I am an entrepreneur, right? But but at that time, I wasn't an entrepreneur. I wanted to work hard in corporate America and make it. And then I realized that there's so many aspects right so you it's not uh, unfortunately there's some things that are outside of your control so and and jeff you you alluded to it a, a little bit you know you're 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 doing something uh but that doesn't stop you from doing other things that you like right so if you like if you like uh like like if i like uh global logistics and finance and and I also like singing, which I love singing. For example, I just do both, you know. Just there's a time and place for everything, and 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 I develop my passion. So the other the other passion that I have is helping people, uh, and I learned that that I like that more than banking necessarily, and that that takes me to places. You know, I wouldn't be with you guys if it wasn't for my passion in in trying to help other people. You know, so it's a. Uh, it's a beautiful thing so what about I, your I, passion
6: I, for singing not to interrupt you or not but uh i want to hear where your passion for singing has taken you
0: so i've sang in almost every country in latin america um wow. in front of uh, thousands of people i recorded a, a cd uh for actually christmas music cd to to collect funds for a kid that had a terminal illness and nice. i'll share the cd with you and it's actually a an english cd not spanish so i i i I sing uh i sang christmas music uh, for charity and you know i never i never stop singing i do it but i don't i'm a singer but i don't i don't get paid for it you know i just do it that's awesome yeah so we uh well ignacio the other thing is that uh, the other thing that i realized after so many years working is is this is this is the the key to life surrounding yourself with the right people um you never go wrong when you surround yourself with people that that uh that care about you and that see you as more you know see you as a human being more than just a number and and that's that to me has made an impact in my life and and you know i have applied to hundreds of jobs, but the, the seven or eight jobs that I had in my career have been through referrals. I have never gotten a job by applying. All of them have been through somebody referring me because of my networking, uh, you know, in the community. So, uh, I've been, I've been blessed, you know, just, I'm blessed to have good people around me. So now we talked a lot, Mike, Mike, so what's go- what's in your mind? You know, I know we're having this call on Thursday with the wealth managers. Uh, but what's your thought process now? You went back home. Now I, we. I was telling Mike that uh, he's making Miami his home for now. Yeah. You know. So what what are you thinking about?
4: Um. I mean. I mean. I definitely, based off what you said in the, in the end there of surrounding yourself with the right people. I think that's definitely the. That's definitely uh, at least for starting point for me, given where I, I think at least I want to I want to get into. I think that's um, a good place to begin. Um, and like you said, it's definitely weird uh, having an apartment now in Miami. Definitely being a graduate, uh, it's definitely weird. To, it's it's definitely still a little weird to call call Miami like a real real home, not not back in Connecticut. Um, but I, I, if anything, I'm just looking forward looking forward to uh, I'm I'm. Ambitiously, looking forward to the uh, to the future, really, and just whatever it holds. And I'm confident that uh, even though right now I'm currently unemployed, I uh, I think that I truly think that if I'm persistent enough and uh, continue to continue to keep working hard, that things will play out in the right in the right way. Whether or not it's because I mean, like you guys, a lot of some of you guys said, especially I think it was Jeff. just because what you think you want to do, just because I think I want to get my seat or become a financial planner at 22, doesn't mean that 35 or 40, whatever that may be, that's where, that's where I'm going to be. So, definitely trying to keep myself, my mind as open as I can, while at the same time being goal oriented, if that makes any sense. So,
0: <laughs> yeah. And you, and you didn't, I didn't plan this, but the field that you are thinking of is something that Alex is working on now. Mm -hmm. And maybe you want to share a little bit of what you've learned in the past couple of months and that field. So she works in, what is it? Northwestern Mutual?
8: Yeah, I work with Northwestern Mutual and it started out as primarily a job that taught me character and patience. Um, but fortunately I've started to work a little bit with the numbers now, um, which is very exciting. Um, it's a matter of, Mike, have you taken by chance marketing 340 with Sharf?
4: No, is that professional selling?
8: It is the professional selling. And I never
4: Scharf took it, but I've heard a lot about it.
8: Sharf <laughs> actually is a financial planner for AXA, which is one of our biggest competitors,
5: mm-hmm.
8: especially in the area. So the lessons that I learned in that class tended to be pretty applicable and very relevant. Um, but you know i'm i'm here if you ever want to hear this side of it um if that's something that you're passionate about i will gladly recommend you um but it's it's not exactly what i thought it would be i will say that it's much more than that i can you imagine me patient Hmm.
4: (laughs) so then i guess my follow-up to that is what was your preconceived idea the job
8: My preconceived idea was just crunching numbers. But at the end of the day, numbers are a part of everything and you don't really have a choice but to, you know, I guess work with them because they don't lie. Um, But it's very client facing and the whole fiduciary responsibility is a big thing. So you have to be honest and you have to think about it's managing a lot of things at once. In my opinion, like managing personalities and best interests, while thinking about your future, your client's future, but then their families, everything. It's it's a lot of things. I I actually had a very interesting association with it. So I was watching. Um, I came across a pool competition. You know, like with the with the balls that are lined in a the triangle, then you push it and then it goes. Right. So. That's what I was thinking. That is financial planning. That is financial advising. You have multiple holes that you have to hit and everything's a mess in the middle and then you just kind of have to make everything go in its respective order and just kind of literally order, organizing everything and condensing what needs to be condensed and yeah. And then you have to find the one white ball which is going to hit it the right way so that everything organizes. Just a random yeah. hmm
0: the, the other thing that maybe, Ignacio, you want to talk about the financial, the financial analysis uh, work that you used to do and how that, you know, played into the role that you have now? So you're, you're more, you always are a fan, and we had a discussion that you're always trying to get uh, people from UM to study uh, business analytics, right? Are you still there?
7: Ignacio, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm here. Unfortunately, somebody is uh, walking
0: into my house here. Sorry. No, 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 no. So, so financial analysis and, B, and BI. Uh-huh. How, did, how did that transition happen?
7: Um. Really naturally, we. I I was looking for. You know, for the tools to kind of analyze large sets of data. Um. And over time, I've just become proficient. In, in those areas, both on uh, anything from, from ETL to, to business analysis. So um, it, it's just a natural transition. I'm, I'm going to have to jump off here for about 15 minutes. And then I, I could jump back and talk a little bit more about that.
0: No, no worries. No worries. Sorry. So we wanted to, going back to North Carolina, because this is a North Carolina call, by the way. So, tell me good things about North Carolina. What, what do I look, look forward to when I go there? Besides a good freaking barbecue. <laughs> good people, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course.
6: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you besides uh, just, you know, I, I think uh, Charlotte, and obviously there's multiple people on here from uh, North Carolina, but uh, lots going on, a lot vibrant place to be. You know, I, I think that uh, once things return to normal, whatever that looks like, um, you know, I think it'll be an interesting, continue to be an interesting and vibrant place to be. Um, unfortunately, I think that uh, a lot of us have been cooped up in the house long enough and are forced to work from home. And so we, I, you know, I long for the days when, you know, I would, I would go into the office to work um, mostly because it's crazy here trying to get work done some days. Um, but to, to your point, what's going on in Charlotte, you know, I, Charlotte's always been a really great place to to live and work and just be part of the community and be part of the, the scene, whether that's the local festivals or the different things they have going on in Uptown. Uh, lots of uh, different uh, things to be a part of.
0: So what's the... Uh... So I know you guys, the food there is spectacular. Every time that I go there, I, I gain a few pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now you have, you have this fusion, Asian-Southern Asian fusion. And, and I, 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 the other day I saw Mexican barbecue. And, you know, it's crazy how you guys uh, fusion everything. I don't know why.
6: It's- I couldn't tell you why either. I like Mexican. <laughs> I like barbecue. I don't necessarily like them together. Bueno, buena Parilla, that's one thing, right? But uh, uh, a total, totally different thing if we're, if we're talking about trying to do Southern-style barbecue with Mexican.
0: <laughs> what about the, uh, the whole bourbon, bourbon uh, craze? Is that still uh, spilling over? I know you guys are not from Tennessee, but I, I know Jack, Jack could probably talk a little bit more about bourbons. I like whiskey myself. Although today I brought Canadian whiskey, which is crazy. How does alcohol play into your life? What about alcohol? Is it, is it necessary to have a drink in life?
6: You know, I'm not the right ass person to ask that or not.
0: I haven't had a drink my
6: entire life. I literally have never had a drink of alcohol. Except for one really? time when I accidentally switched my uh, regular Coke with a friend's uh, Coke and rum. They, uh, they brought... Uh, you know, the, the, the waitress uh, mixed, up the, mixed up the orders. But even then, I, I didn't uh, have any more than a sip. So not the right person to ask. I'm sure someone else would have a more interesting response to that. Well,
0: I'm sure Mike and Alex had more alcohol than you then. <laughs> <laughs> no, in UM, they don't drink, right? There, 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 it's just, uh, it just uh, you know, it's, a, it's just a rumor that i hear that in
8: you have to know didn't you graduate
0: well in AKC, i don't i don't remember ever not drinking i mean i don't remember ever but <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny how so From we're a
8: product we're, perspective i'll say i think alcohol is a very interesting item so to speak to sell because it's kind of you're selling I mean, with anything, you would be selling feelings to some extent. But with alcohol, literally, you're selling poison disguised as an experience. So why would you go skydiving when you can buy a bottle of, I don't know, Grey Goose or whatever? So interesting. I think I think alcohol is a very interesting business for alcoholic beverages, so to speak.
0: It is. Well, there's some. That's something that uh, you know, particularly now in this COVID environment. Everybody seems to have, you know, all the, all the liquor stores, every store is closed except the liquor stores. That's crazy. (laughs) Not only are they open, but they have
6: lines around the block to get into them.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So guns, guns and guns and drinks are, are the places that are always open. So, yeah, I was talking to a friend of mine about, you know, the whole situation. Uh, uh, with uh, what's happening in the past month, and how how guns ha- seem to be have gone up in price, and people make lines forever because they think they're gonna take away the right to own a gun, and then everybody's fearing for their safety. So we saw some memes about the guy that that was uh, well, people were BLM marchers, and the guy was with a with a machine gun. I don't know if you saw that in the news. Uh, did you see that? So there was this guy that was, uh, you know, there was a BLM march and the guy just decided to stop him and his wife. He w- he was with an Uzi, you know, just standing there. And then his wife was with the, with the gun going like, that. move on, move along, move along. Crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. The world is definitely different, different nowadays. Well, listen again, I didn't want to, so Ignacio will be back, but, uh, yeah, I didn't want to take much more time. I just want to say thank you. Uh Mike. I know you this is the second one that you that you did. Uh you guys, uh so Alex Mike, you you are uh, you're not in the mentor group, right? So in the mentor group is where most of the guys hang out. Uh we don't have a global group uh for everybody because then it will be a freaking crazy mess. So what we do is we try to do these things so that people can get to meet the mentors in other areas. So I would encourage you guys to exchange information with Babbitt and, uh and with Jeff. So Jeff just started with us. I recruited Jeff basically to, to, uh, to join the Carolina uh, team, because I think, uh, you know, like I told you before, uh, good people should hang out together, but uh you know, I want you guys to, to continue the dialogue if you guys can, okay? Thank so make you. sure that you exchange the information. But without further ado, cheers to North Carolina. I'll see you guys in a few months. Actually I'm gonna be there the twenty seventh of uh August that week. So we'll we'll hang out there in in Charlotte and I'll hang out with uh, with Kevin and Raleigh as well. So looking forward to it cheers cheers Cheers. thanks guys hi guys okay talk to you later abrazo Mm -hmm. let me stop the recording hold on